Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back. It's your Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lamarie, Nathan Baird, and Stephen Means. We had interviews with the secondary folks on Tuesday night, and it was Tuesday night, not Tuesday afternoon, which is why we're getting this to you a little bit later on Wednesday, because classes have started at Ohio State. And so that means the football team, instead of practicing in the morning and then having interviews in the late morning, they are now practicing in the late afternoon and evening, and that means we're talking to them in the evening because guess what? School is here and football is almost here. We talked with Tim Walton, Perry Aliano, and a bunch of the safeties and cornerbacks. I want to go coaches first, guys. Steven, did you talk to a coach? I did. I talked to Tim Walton, a little bit of Perry, but mostly all right. I talked all of Tim. Let's, let's go with Tim Walton then, who was the cornerbacks coach for the fight in Ohio state Buckeyes came from the NFL first year here at Ohio state, long NFL background, uh, former Ohio state player, a lot of consternation, Steven, maybe consternation is not the right intrigue, curiosity around this cornerback group, their health, their readiness. How does Tim Walton think these corners are going to be when Ohio state takes the field against Notre Dame? He said everybody was back practicing and that he expects everybody to be playing and be full go by the time we get to the Notre Dame game. And, Denzel Burke even echoed that when he got up there and said everybody's ready to go. Uh, and he's real one I, 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 with the J.K. Johnson thing. He is really pleased with the the progress he's made, especially over these last couple of weeks with Hancock and Burke and Brown not necessarily being full go the entire time. And J.K. even echoed that saying a lot of it has been his confidence. But the thing I the vibe I get from Tim Walton is I can teach you all the technical stuff about how to be a good cornerback. But like, if you don't have the dog mindset, you know, that dog word that comes up a lot. If you don't have that, I can't work with you. And he feels like he's got a room full of those guys right now. So Nathan, I think this has been one of the, you know, it's been a fairly healthy camp for Ohio state, not to diminish, you know, Cam Babb. We saw Cam Babb with the big brace on his left knee, the receiver who's had four ACL tears in his career. We had been told he had a minor setback. He was out, you know, he was in uniform. He's walking around, but that's a, that's a big brace on his knee. Yeah. Um, and so there are guys dealing with stuff, but 
what may or may not be happening with the health of the cornerback room has felt like something that's percolating. Do you think like that's over? Like, is it, should ever, should the people listening to this feel like, okay, it'll, it'll be okay by the time September 3rd comes around. Well, I'm trying to reconcile the two things that we've heard from Jim Knowles about this or, or just the the staff about this. Cause I think for Notre Dame, I don't, it doesn't sound like it's a problem. It sounds like they think they're going to be pretty healthy, barring any setbacks between now and September 3rd. But they do still have only six scholarship cornerbacks. They do still have, and only only four that aren't true freshmen. And Jim Knowles at the time, earlier in camp, when this was really starting to percolate, said, I think this is going to be an issue all season. And I think he meant maybe not necessarily that their injuries are going to have to deal with all season, but that the concept of their of them being thin is always going to kind of be there. They just don't have a lot of room for error um, if, if they want to go four deep. Uh, you have pointed out before, you can miss one guy, probably as long as it's not Denzel Burke, but you can miss one guy and those other three can probably get it done. And that might be true of almost any game on their schedule. But it just does leave you a little thin there. I think that is always going to hang around in the background. But for for Notre Dame, I, I think they're good. It sounds like, for all accounts, and I mean literally like all accounts now, Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, the players themselves, they seem pretty confident they'll be all right. Did Tim Walton say anything, Stephen, along the lines of, like, I can't believe we only have six scholarship corners and only four who aren't true freshmen? What happened? No, he got asked about it. He said we're fine. I think part of that is there's only two corners playing. So only having six guys for two spots isn't the same as having six guys for three spots. Cause you're not as thin anymore. Yeah. Well, you still want more than you probably still want eight, but if you're at six for a given year, given the fact that, you know, you lost one guy in the transfer portal before Tim Walton got hired another guy after the spring, he, the way he talked about it, they seem like it wasn't an issue right now. And listen, if something happened with Denzel Burke, that's not a depth issue. That's your yeah. best cornerback being out. Yeah. So that's not depth isn't the concern there. And, and and Tim Walton did say that they were uh, dual training guys, which Jim Knowles had said before that Cam Martinez got some time there. Jansen Dunn got some time there. I think from a depth standpoint, that safety room is so robust right now that they feel like there is somebody they could pull over in a pinch if they had to for depth. Yeah, right. And I think, again, depth is really important, but keeping your best guys healthy. Cam Brown who we all still are assuming Steven, is that right? I mean, are we still, are we assuming that the starting cornerbacks are going to be Denzel Burke and Cam Brown? Cam Brown had class. So he was the one guy that we did not talk to on Tuesday night, but is that, are we, we continuing? With, oh, and Hancock didn't come either. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause people that they didn't want him to get asked about his calf. Um, did, are we operating under that assumption, Steven, or should we not be operating under that assumption? No, we should still be operating on that assumption, but barring Jordan Hancock's calf is a thing all season. I also was very intrigued by the way Walton talked about Jordan Hancock. And I also had some conversations with some other people like behind the scenes during the summer about Hancock. They really love him. They love his length. They love his natural ability, but then they also just love his football IQ and his football acumen, how quickly he can pick up on things. And so, yeah, day one, I still think it's Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke are the starters, but I won't be shocked if Jordan Hancock has more snaps than Cameron Brown by the end of the season. So let's not, I think it's, is it possible that maybe it's just because we haven't gotten his position group yet? Have we talked less about Denzel Burke than any important, established, huge upside player on this team? Like Denzel Burke started all year as a true freshman when he was a recruit in whatever it was, 200 to 300s. But we know, Stephen, 
Everybody thought he was a dog. Brian Hartline thought he yeah. was a dog when he was at recruiting him as a maybe receiver. So this guy was on the radar, but then all of a sudden he's starting against Minnesota last year. He plays all year. He's very good most of the year, has moments where he's not. But now he's back with as much experience as any true sophomore in the country has. And he has a lot of upside. I don't know, Nathan. I'm not trying to. It's one of those things. We, we haven't talked to him, but I just want to make sure as we get to J.K. Johnson, who's super interesting in the health, that we don't forget. Oh, by the way, Denzel Burke, I don't know, has a chance to be an All-American this year? Well, no, I, point taken. I think what happens in preseason camp a lot, I think this definitely happens with the way that I think about how I'm going into like each day is not necessarily tell me more about the thing I know. It's more tell me about the thing that we don't know or the thing that needs uh, that where there are more questions. And as good as Denzel Burke is on that other side, I think both probably the way we look at things, I think the way fans look at things too, it's always like, okay, but what's happening on that other side is that other side going to be like all big 10 caliber? Because if it's not, is that something again, you're always looking for those. If, if you're, if you're looking at everything through a potential national championship lens, you're always looking for plugging the hole. And I think there's still, I don't know if there's a hole to be plugged at cornerback, but people are like maybe testing the integrity of the, of the wall there <laughs> for it to, to make sure there's nothing spring leaf. You're not worried about Denzel, but at the same time, we haven't given him the JT Tuimaloa treatment yeah. of we think JT Tuimaloa might be an All American. He might be Chase Young. Well, Denzel Burke might be Jeff Okuda. So, yeah. but to the to that point of, I, you're a little bit more worried about okay, who's going to come along for the ride with him with Denzel Burke? While with JT, I think those names are kind of known a little bit more, so you can go out there deep in the on the deep end with JT in a way we haven't with Denzel. Now, come talk to me and four weeks if Denzel's awesome and then he looks like yeah. he might be an All-American, then we're going to be on this pod going, yes. look, they found their next Marshawn Lattimore, Jeff Okuda, and they're going to get two years of this. Yeah, and it's that's a fair thing to bring up because in his own way, what he did last season was as impressive or yeah. you could argue even more so than, than what Tui Maloa did even with that short uh, runway that he had into the season. I, I am very uh, intrigued by this concept of like Denzel Burke was very good last year under those circumstances. Is he one of the best cornerbacks in college football? Can we really say that today? And how soon will he make it where we just go? Well, yeah, that's true. Cause it, he was way better than the guys who then transferred out of the program like that. And in the moment that really mattered yep. yeah. that it was like, Hey, no offense to Ryan Watts and legend Cavazos, but they kind of weren't playing at the level that Ohio state needs corners to play at. And part of that was maybe they shouldn't have been thrown in that situation, but Denzel Burke really shouldn't have been thrown in that situation. And he was so obviously the best young guy on the team that the other guys left and Denzel Burke is back as a, the, the most sure thing in the room. So in, in that context, it's like, wow, this guy, but, right, was he a 1,000% a lockdown corner every snap of the whole season? No, that's okay. But I do think, I don't know, it's one of those, he's, he's hiding in plain sight a little bit, I think, on this team. Because so, Josh Proctor's back from injury, and Tanner McAllister's new, and the linebackers are all moving in and out of the lineup, and, and JT and Jack are going to start as second-year guys, and they're going to rotate at defense. And then, oh, no, Denzel Burke, he's going to do the same thing he did last year. So that's why he's high. So, but what does that mean? He's definitely their best corner, but how good is that? And when will he get tested on that? You know, I don't know. 
you know, Notre Dame's probably going to throw the tight end. I don't, you know, Notre Dame had some receiver injuries. I don't know. Wisconsin's their best skill guys is, is not receivers either. You know, what, certainly by the time you get to Maryland late in the year, Michigan State will test them a little bit. You know, Penn State has some receivers. He'll have moments, Stephen, where we'll get to find out. I don't know that it's going to be right away at the start of the year, but I am looking forward to getting a handle on in year two what exactly Denzel Burke is. Because we know he's good, but I'm not sure we know exactly how good. Part of me wishes he had the schedule he had last year, this year, because there isn't as deep of a wide receiver, you know, talent in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State the way there was last year where it seemed like every other week he was going to play a guy who's a top 100 NFL draft pick. The thing with, I even asked him that though, it's like, this defense is changing a lot. Does it really change anything for the corners? And he's like, no, not really. You just, you know, refine your technique, all that stuff. They're, the cornerback's job doesn't change. They're either playing press man or they're playing off coverage, cover three. And sometimes it'll be cover two just because it's a new defense. But he's ahead of schedule. But the two top 100 recruits are still on schedule. Hmm. So like nothing changed. The only thing that changed was the guys who should be the third year guys who were also ranked around where he was ranked. Didn't do what he did. So it's like, he's the outlier, but if Jordan Hancock and JK Johnson are still on the schedule that you expect from top 100 recruits, it's why we keep coming back to this idea of yes, he played early, but we could still see a scenario where they all get out of here and he's the third best guy just based off what their raw talent is. So Steven, you said Tim Walton had very good things to say about Jordan Hancock. Again, we didn't talk to Jordan Hancock, but we did talk to JK Johnson, who was sort of that fourth guy in that mix. It's Denzel Burke and Cam Brown. It's Jordan Hancock. It's JK Johnson. I think we've talked about him in that order, whether there really is order. There's a top two, it's top four, but JK Johnson has sort of felt like the fourth of the four. Nathan, I know you wrote about JK uh, for Wednesday morning. It feels like I, I want to, you guys listening by now know the things that drive me crazy. Time will tell. I hate time will tell. If you end a story with time will tell, I'm going to cut it off the end of your story. Because as I always say, the passage of time tells everything. It's like, oh, and yeah. in the present, we don't know what happens, but in the future, we will. It's like, you, do you want to end every story? Do you want to end every conversation you ever have in your whole life? But time will tell. That's how time works. Time does a, tell. Always. If we can, if we can do an, a, a middle-aged white man moment. Are you familiar with the Van Halen song, um, Why Can't This Be Love? Not a huge Van Halen guy, but I've heard of them. It's, and I do know what a, love is. It's one of the Sammy Hagar songs. And there's a line in there that says, only time will tell if we stand the test of time. And every time, if I'm ever driving somewhere and that song comes on the radio, I want to just drive into a pole because it's, yeah. just, it's just the most meaningless line in the history of songs. So then one of the other things that drive me crazy is the attempt to put a silver lining on every bad thing that happens to every person in the history of the world. It's like, hey, <laughs> you got hit by a bus and broke every bone in your body. But you know what? Is there a, it's like, listen, I understand a positive outlook on life. It didn't help your football career. It didn't help Ohio State as a football team for Jordan Hancock to miss time. But they're spinning a lot of the bottom line is what is correct, Nathan, is J.K. Johnson got some more reps. Yes, that's a fact. Right. I don't think we have to say, well, it's actually a good thing that Jordan Hancock got hurt. It's like, you mean Jordan Hancock, the guy that everybody's super excited about, got hurt and that was good. It wasn't good. But J.K. Johnson got more reps. And I think you, you grabbed onto something, which I think, again, is one of those things when you listen to all these interviews over the course of a month, you have to figure out what are they saying that doesn't matter? What are they saying that does matter? What are they not saying that does matter? And early on, very early, 
Jim Knowles to a question about J.K. Johnson was kind of like, I don't know. And you took that as like a hmm, like that was he's not going to be critical of anybody, but that was like a huh. He took a pass because took, and yeah, it was my question. And it was the first time we talked to him. So it was like back on August 9th. And he when he, when he likes a guy, whether that's Tommy Eichenberg, especially Tommy Eichenberg, but whether it's anybody in this defense, he'll tell you he likes the guy and he'll tell you in Ronnie Hickman, detail. Ronnie, Ronnie Hickman, Hickman yeah. he'll go on all day about Lathan Ransom. He's been going on all day about multiple guys. Sometimes it's even guys who are a little bit behind the scenes. He will talk them up. But when you get to a guy and he's like, well, time will tell like too soon, too soon to tell actually was the quote too soon to tell. I'm like, well, you saw him all spring and you saw him uh, through the summer and like, well, what? And at the time that did seem significant because we knew Jordan Hancock was dealing with something. That was really the context of why we really wanted to talk about JK Johnson at all, because Hancock has been a little bit out in front in terms of, who's flashing more, who we're hearing more about. That was the guy that I think they thought was going to be more ready. We were talking about him all off season. Like maybe he's actually the number two. And then JK Johnson will mix in there somewhere, even though he's actually the highest ranked as a recruit of these three guys, he was a top 50 guy. So when he said that that day in that context, it seemed big because it seemed like JK Johnson was probably going to need to be, even if Jordan Hancock can play against Notre Dame right now, I'm not sure he's full strength as much as they keep trying to use terms like that. So J.K. Johnson is going to have to be on the field against Notre Dame in a, in a, in some way, uh, because I don't think Cam Brown is playing like 70 snaps that night. So then you take it two weeks into the future. You ask a question about J.K. Johnson, and now he's one of those guys that Jim Knowles just blows up about. Oh, uh, he's he, he is so much more mature. He's grown up a lot. This again, a span of two weeks. It's like it's like big. He just went and like put the thing in the again another middle aged reference from the eighties. Like he just he he has come along and now they trust him. I think that's the important thing. He went from someone who oh time too soon to tell to like no we trust him. He can be on the field. We think he can make plays. And for him, I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Like not everything is a if Jordan Hancock had never got hurt. And he was just farther along and, and more secure. Like that would just be the story. That that's just what it is. But for J.K. Johnson, unlike Jordan Hancock, he didn't even get to practice that much last year as a true freshman. He was hurt all of that year uh, with a shoulder thing. And I don't remember how much exactly that limited him still into the spring. It was maybe still something in the background. He was just a guy that needed to get those extra reps to actually see himself doing good things because I mean, he's got the speed. He's got more size than he came in with. He's got that pedigree as a top 50 prospect. He has like all of these things in the background, but I think he needed those extra reps to see himself doing good things and be a more confident player when the season started. He's fast, right? He's got a skill set, Steven, right? Like he, there's some stuff here. 23 miles per hour consistently what, is what he's been running is what that's they said. what court Williams said. And I went and looked yeah. up that number and it would have been like the fastest speed in the NFL, like in the, like any of the past couple of years. So JK but, Johnson is as fast as a cheetah. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I but just no, want to, we'll see. I don't know, man. It's those St. Louis boys. Jamo had that yeah. type of speed too. So maybe that's what St. Louis boys, hey. they're all dogs and want to fight you, but they also <laughs> will outrun you. That's the, it's a St. Louis. That's a very good. I can they, I can fight you or I can run away from you. Those are two yeah, very good skills. Genuinely, I, I don't know if that's like Cameron Brown even like that. That I don't know what it is about those St. Louis boys, but they all have that demeanor where you're not really sure if they're going to hit you or not. But I think a better way to put it with J.K. 
One, to be fair, this is the same defensive coordinator who said this team went from being 25% of the defense being installed to 75% in 10 days. So whatever, man. A better way to put it is not that he got reps. It's that he took advantage of them because he was going to get those reps regardless once it was very clear that, you know, the guys in front of him were not going to be full go at practice. But if he'd have gone out there and sucked, then you'd ha- we'd have an issue on our hands because J- J.K. Johnson's your number three corner and you can't trust him, which means now you have to play Cameron Brown more, even though he probably shouldn't be playing 70 snaps. Now you have to play Denzel Burke more. Now he really can't come off the field. So it's the fact that he took advantage of that. And we even saw some of that at that full practice we saw where he, I think he picked off um, T.J. Stroud on a play, if I'm remembering it correctly. So it's, it's more the fact that he took advantage of those snaps and that's what's building the confidence for him. So let's try this. I didn't... I really only talk to safeties. You really Both only talk to Cora Williams. You don't have to lie to the public. <laughs> I did. You I, talk- a, I almost took a picture of you two walking off together. It was like, people, let me tell you about my best friend. I talked I talked to Josh Proctor, but most of my questions for Josh Proctor were, were do you know when court's going to come out? Um, no, I, I'll have things to say about the safeties. I just don't have much to say about the corners. Scale of one to 10, Nathan. Top end talent, depth, all of it the ability of the Ohio State cornerbacks to do what needs to be done. And let's just take it one week at a time for now, because after we see it against Notre Dame, we'll get a better sense of it. Because again, whatever we thought, like of all the, I'm not sure you could have less of a handle on anything in Ohio State football than what we thought a year from now, the cornerback group would be and what it turned out to be. I mean, it was, you know, you know who we're not talking about seven banks, we had so many seven banks conversations last season. It's like, and I, and by the way, I actually need to check on that. He's at LSU. I have no idea what's happening with him at LSU if he's going to like play or not. So it's, it's one of the main things we're curious about. But let's go now. We talked to the group. We talked to the coaches. We've talked to the defensive coordinator a couple of times. Scale of one to ten. One is the cornerback play is so problematic. It might be the reason Ohio State loses to Notre Dame. Ten is ready to roll, no doubt about it. They're going to do their job at a high level. What would you put this group at right now? I think, especially for this matchup, I would probably say at least a seven. Okay. Because I, because Notre Dame has had some some compromised yeah. things in their receiver core. No, no, qu- no question about them. Yeah, they lost yeah. like their second best receiver for the year. So, right. yeah. Okay. So a seven out of ten. Steven, where would you be? Top end talent? I'd say eight. Eight and a half. Okay. The guys. And again, that's what, in the end, if things go as expected, that's what matters most. Yeah. The guys who are on the field. So, but then it's also, more, yeah. It's more of a, how worried are you that they actually reach that ceiling? Even if you think it's high. Yeah. Okay. It would have been good to talk to Cam Brown, but he's been around the block. Again, it's, it's mostly a health thing with him. It's a, I think as you guys have both mentioned, not putting too much on him to, set him up for a situation where maybe you ask too much of his body and then it doesn't hold up. Um, he's been a good player. He's been a good solid player for them. So, okay. I, th- I think cornerbacks were the were front of mind. When we come back, we'll talk safeties next on Buckeye talk. You can be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315. We'd love to have you. Whenever we get the interviews, we shoot out all kinds of information about that. Um, and I just I, I said nice thing because you guys care what we think and we, all, we, we tell you what we think, our analysis, our interpretation. That's part of the texting too. But there's also times where it's like, hey, Ryan Day's talking. Hey, players are talking. I want to know what they said. 
and you can go search for it, but we get it to you really fast. We give you the bullet points of what really matters the most. And it's not a news service. It's not a headline news service. But there are times when words are coming out of the mouths of Buckeyes that you care about, and we get them to you quickly. And I think that is a, it's not a news service 24 hours a day, but in those moments, I think there's a great benefit to it for four bucks a month. So I know sometimes people are like, I don't know if I want to do it in the off season. Like it's the off season's over. It's go time for a team that's going to try to win a national championship. If you want to know what the guys, the players, the coaches on the team are saying as it happens, this is a really good service for that. 614-350-3315. You can get a vibe building up the Notre Dame, what you think. You get a two-week free trial. Then you can decide to stick around. Nathan, Perry Eliano. He's the safeties coach. There's a lot of interest in the safeties. Jim Knowles, safety-driven defense. There's three safety spots we need to talk about. We feel like there's depth there. It is just interesting to me that Perry Eliano got this Ohio State job in part because he coached maybe the best cornerback room in the country last year at Cincinnati with Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, and now he's the safeties coach. But Guys, move around. What's the vibe from Perry Eliana? It was interesting because uh, talking to him briefly off to the side, he said that there are things that they did when he was at uh, New Mexico uh, that now are things that they did kind of at Cincinnati and now are some of the same things that they're doing at Ohio State. So there's been sort of a weird through line for him, I think, just from a schematic standpoint to some extent. Uh, but, you know, he obviously um, – the thing that kind of dominated the questions with him was, was Lathan Ransom, which we'll get to, I guess, in, 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 in more depth. But going back to what you're talking about, like trying to parse the coach speak, you know, he was asked about the difference between adjuster and bandit and tried to, to pass it off as if, oh, those are interchangeable, which is I feel like something they say about literally like every position on the field uh, to some extent, um, even though we know it's not true. But I, I did think that he followed that up with, with something that sort of explains what might be the philosophy going forward with that, which is don't worry about who's the best adjuster or who's the best bandit. Find out your two best safeties at that back end and then decide where to put them. And I think that's a, a good way to look at what will probably is unfolding already with Hickman and Proctor and what I assume would be the way that it unfolds going forward. And then it is a little confusing because – there are three safeties, but they also do talk about that nickel safety is really quite a bit different than the two deep safeties. And so sometimes it's like you're yeah. having these conversations. And so was there much conversation around? I think we have a handle on nickel safety, which is in the slot. Again, in the past, we've called that a slot corner. It's been more a corner. Tanner McAllister is not a corner. He's a safety. He's the starter there. Cam Martinez is the backup. Those are the top two guys at that spot. I guess we know what's up with that, Nathan. I don't know. Was there a ton of like nickel safety conversation? Not a lot of like in-depth uh, scheme stuff there or anything. He even tried to loop to lump nickel in with that. Uh, these are all interchangeable, which I definitely don't believe just from the way that, that Jim Knowles has talked about how he wants to recruit that position, let alone how they, how they are staffing it this season. But I do think it, it, there is a clear separation there also that I like Tanner McAllister to me doesn't look like a cornerback. I get them close to him like that. You can tell that's like a fifth year built guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by, by how that plays out in the future though. Cause he's only got one more year here and starting in 2023, what are the athletes that they're cycling through that spot? Yeah. Okay. So let's go to some players then, Steven, you wrote about Lathan Ransom. You've been asking about Lathan Ransom. This, they have a couple guys back there who are coming back from injury. Uh, he is certainly one of them. And 
as Nathan had said, when you asked Knowles about Lathan Ransom the other day, and he was like effusive. What, what, and then you got a chance to talk to Lathan Ransom. Where is Lathan Ransom in his comeback from his injury? And what do we think he's going to mean for this defense this year? He's full go, and he's been full go since the first day of camp, which is not a surprise to people in this program, but still, I mean, he's been kind of full go for most of the summer just because, I mean, I was here at these camps, and so I'd see him and Keenan Bailey out there after these camps were over going through stuff, and he's walking around and looks like everything is fine. I think where you've seen his game grow the most from the way he was talking was mentally. He came in with you know some physical stuff that he could already do, a lot of that stuff that Jim Knowles was talking about, his ability to attack stuff and how he's never wrong and his instincts and all that stuff. And it's part of why, if you remember back in 2020, he showed up late. He didn't get here till June in that COVID year, and yet they're throwing him out there to be in a position on the field in the Big Ten championship game and then the playoff game and then the national championship game, even though he had just got here given what the depth was. So the athleticism was always there. But he admitted he was pretty immature when he got here and didn't necessarily – you know, we've we've hyped up a lot of these guys IQ. He wouldn't have been one of those guys in terms of you know the way he thought the game and the way he became a student of the game. But him being hurt and not being able to necessarily go through practice and get the necessary reps, he just drove headfirst into this playbook. And so when he showed up first day of fall camp, he was ready to go and picked up as if like he had never been gone for you know nine months. And he said that he didn't feel completely back until he got a hit on Evan Pryor, which is ironic given the fact that Evan Pryor is now gone. But that after he got that first hit, he's been full go ever since. And so, no, he's probably not the starting adjuster. That's probably you know, Ronnie Hickman at this point. But from the way they've talked about him, whether it's the players, uh, Ronnie Hickman said this is he's had one of the best you know fall camps he's ever seen since he's been in the program. They're going to find a role for Lathan Ransom. And it's also one of those things, you know, what's, cool for good football teams to have excellent backups yeah. who maybe don't the, 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 one of the things that is interesting, it, I, I, so we did not do a podcast directly related to the interviews we had on Monday with Ryan day and Jim Knowles. When both of them spoke, we, I did our Michigan preview, which we needed to get in. If you guys haven't listened to that, it went up late on Tuesday, the Michigan opponent preview, but Nathan, I got lost a little bit on the Jim Knowles conversation about subbing in the back seven, because he was sort of asked about your philosophy. Jim Knowles is in the back, you know, linebackers in the secondary. You don't like to substitute a lot. Larry Johnson likes to roll guys on the defensive line. Is that compatible? He's like, yeah, it's two different, totally different things. Larry Johnson's going to roll his guys. That's great. But Jim Knowles very much made a point that with the linebackers and the safeties in the corners, he wants those guys to see the game, feel the game, get in the flow of the game, get an understanding of how the offense is trying to attack them. And if you're running guys in and out all the time, you're not getting that sense. Again, this goes back to we're having a lot of cerebral, mental, diagnosing, processing conversations with the Jim Knowles defense, right? That's a main thing we're talking about. So he thinks you learn by playing and that, you'll be better in the second quarter than you were in the first quarter because you're getting an understanding for how the offense is trying to attack you. So it's sort of like he doesn't want to sub. He kind of wants to play the back seven guys, two linebackers, three safeties, two corners. But then he was also asked about sub packages, which is more, you know, situational, you know, short yardage, maybe on third down, you're going to bring guys in. And he was sort of open to that. So I got lost a little bit. It feels like he doesn't want to rotate like, hey, we have a bunch of guys who deserve to play. 
you know, Ronnie Hickman's going to play the first series. Lathan Ransom's going to play the second series. He doesn't want to do that. No. But I guess on third down, he might bring in a guy for a certain thing. I, Mike, what do we think of this, Nathan? Oh, I think it's a couple of things. I think, I mean, sub packages, I'm sure they still did those at Oklahoma State and Duke and everywhere else he's done. I mean, that's just a, that's just a part of playing defense. And I, I wouldn't expect that really to change. But I think with something else he also said, though, he was asked about and he's been asked this question in different ways a couple of times, but just you've got more tools here than you did at Oklahoma State, right? Like you've got, you know, when he was at some of these places, I think it was a four year battle to build someone up to the point where you can trust them on the field at all times. And here should be that the guy who's behind that guy is also very trustworthy, also very talented, also better than the guys that you were coaching at those other places. I don't think that's us being homers or snobs. That's just the way Ohio State recruits. That's a, it, it, It's a higher tier program. That's why he came here. So I think there's that's also a little bit of a factor here that he's probably recognizing that you can't, uh, for lack of a better term, like waste those guys. I think you've there. There are guys who, if the if the separation between one and two is that small, I think you probably got to find a way to get those guys on the field at some point. But he doesn't want to. But he but but in a but package, finding a way saying, to get them on the, the field is di- yes. Okay. Finding a way to get them on the field is different yeah. than rolling them. That's not what I I'm talking about. It, it, we've had this conversation before. It, it especially makes that nickel safety spot interesting. And maybe this is a way we can start to also transition into some court into you know some court Williams talk. But yep. I, I even asked Lathan Ransom about the differences between covering slots and covering tight ends because he has experience doing both and he feels like he can do both. And everybody's pro- and the coaches feel like he can do both. And so if you need a bigger body, but also a guy who doesn't have to sacrifice his speed when they throw a slot out there against Notre Dame, could we see a, a safety situation where the three safeties are Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor, and Court Williams are Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor, and Lathan Ransom? Yeah, we're not doing that yet. We're saving that for later. Okay. But, okay. but the, court for the end. But the other factor here is, it relates to Court, we'll talk about it more later, but the other factor is that what is Jim Knowles's philo- defensive philosophy, what's the foundation it's built on? It's deception. And it, I think he likes the back seven to be almost like positionless basketball where you've got yeah. like seven guys who when you make a substitution, it doesn't necessarily tip your hand or, or if you don't make a substitution, it doesn't tip your hand either. It doesn't show a weakness somewhere. You, uh, opponents still have to respect everything you've got out there. You don't know who's what you don't know who the free safety, who the strong is, who the corner. And even that line, you don't know who the Mike and the will are. So I do think, the, the thing that's interesting to me about this is that I feel like the way everyone has talked, and I, I, I don't think anything changed in talking to the secondary guys on Tuesday. The general consensus is they feel really good about Ronnie Hickman and Josh Proctor as the starters at the two deep safety spots, and they feel really good about Lathan Ransom and Court Williams behind them at the two deep safety spots. Is that Do we agree? Generally, that's the vibe mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. But then what Jim Knoll says is like, yeah, but I don't want, I want to play the starters. So then all of a sudden you have Lathan Ransom and Court Williams who feel like they're ready to play, but aren't going to play except maybe in these alternate roles because they're not going to give them reps at adjuster and bandit because that's Hickman and Proctor. And 
Knowles wants them to get in the flow of the game, Nathan. Like that's that's what I, which is not again, it's not it's not like Ohio State. I mean, you know, Lake Hooker never never came off the field. Jordan Holler, Fuller never came off the field, right? So it's not anything new. It's just interesting as we apply it specifically to this because for all the places, not all the places. You know, we're having a conversation about who their third and fourth corners are. Their third and fourth corners are guys who, like, have never really played and they're still pretty young and whatever. Like, Court Williams and Lathan Ransom have been around. They haven't played a ton because they both have battled injuries, but they've played some, and they've really been around, and it feels like they're not really going to play unless there's an injury or there's some specific sub-package stuff. It is an Odd dynamic. I mean, Lathan Ransom's been on the field in playoff games. Court Williams was on the Jalen Waddle in the national yeah. title game. <laughs> right. Court Williams. Court Williams was making big tackles in the Rose Bowl last year in front of billions of people or whatever. Like it's and and how do those guys just you know what I mean? Like it's, it feels weird to just ghost them completely. Like so as much as I I I think I understand what Jim Knowles wants to do back there as far as that set seven and keeping guys in it. I almost look at it the same way as I look at Emeka Buka or whoever is the fourth receiver on the offensive side. Like you're really yeah. just going to like put that guy on an Island by himself over on the sideline and he'll get in in a blowout or whatever. Like there's got to be some role, right? He's got to weave in somewhere. And I, I almost look at those guys that way only because they talk about them that way. It's not even so much what I've seen with my own eyes, but they talk about those two guys so much and don't have to, if they didn't want to, but I think there's, they've genuinely impressed. They've genuinely shown things either physically or intangibly that Ohio state values. And it seems like there has to be some way to get them on the field. It's going to be very interesting to see the differences between like first and second down and then third down this season, if it's really a package type of situation. So, so let's finish off this general safety conversation. Did either of you guys talk to Hickman very much? I, I was there for. A I was there at the bit, start of his. I was there at the start of his conversation. Yeah, really. Ronnie Hickman, very good, solid player who is very important for Ohio State. This is not to disrespect him. Again, we're sort of acknowledging we kind of know the deal on Ronnie Hickman. So I was there, Denzel. But he's the Denzel Burke he of the safety room. What a, like what? What a wonderful thing. We just assume he's going to do his job because guess what? Yeah. He did it last year. It's pretty good. Pretty darn good football player. And it is worth noting, as Nathan, you have noted, Jim Knowles loves Ronnie Hickman. Josh Proctor. I was a Josh Proctor most of the time. What a pleasant young man. Every question he answered with a smile. Talked about how hard it was last year, right? It's one of those things. You can't say it. We didn't say it. People people know that I'm mean. I'm not mean. I just try to keep it real. So nobody said, watching Bryson Shaw, man, was that tough on you? Nobody actually said that, but it hovered. And I know Bryson Shaw had a good PFF grade. He's at USC and good luck to Bryson Shaw. And he was put in a tough spot, but the idea of, and I was saying this to somebody, Nathan, I don't want to go too far with this. And we've had this conversation before as much as this entire Ohio state defense has changed schematically. And there are going to be multiple guys who are going to play more than they did last year. There are still a lot of other guys who are back in similar roles, right? So I think it's possible that 40 or 50% of the problems with Ohio state's defense might have been solved last year. If Josh Proctor didn't get hurt. Like I don't, we all know it, but I'm not a thousand percent sure that Kerry Combs still wouldn't have a job here. If Josh Proctor didn't get hurt. And that, that probably is not exactly right because people didn't like the way the defense played in 2020. And, you know, they were having real problems on the edge. 
that had nothing to do with Josh Proctor and yeah. playing stuff the right way against Oregon. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But and Josh Proctor brought this up. His big brother, when he was a young guy, was Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller taught him how to do, how to play safety here. Jordan Fuller's the eraser. Jordan Fuller solved problems. Now, Jordan Fuller was solving problems for a terrible defense in 2018, too, right? I mean, like that. But then he solved well, more problems in 2019, really. right? He, he didn't solved solve them all that well in 2018, right? Like, he wasn't that player yet. He was, I think he he was not the main problem. There were some banana angles from the other side. I was, I was going to bring up a point there, though. First of all, Josh Proctor is not as good as Nick Bosa. I'm going to make sure that's, I'm not trying to say he is. But I think you can apply the same logic to both the 2018 and 2021 seasons, where both of those defenses were bad, but Nick Bosa would have covered up a lot of issues in 2018. Yeah, I got well, hurt. Josh Proctor would have solved a lot of issues if he was the free safety instead of Bryson Shaw. And, and as you noted, not the same, but I think it's a it's a very worthwhile point. Is, that it was it was a very harmful injury that you could see that the level of play with the replacements was a clear step down that had a direct effect on the overall performance of the defense, which is where that's a good comparison. So I'm going to use 2018 as an example to disagree with both of you because Josh Parker didn't get hurt in the first quarter of the Oregon game. He got hurt after a lot of things were already exposed in the Oregon game. And 2018, there were, from what I was told by you, Doug, on a repeated basis, there were two things. One, schematic problems that never really got solved with that defense. And there were schematic problems in 2021. And number two, there was bad linebacker coaching in play. And I think that applied to 2021 or very at the very least, maybe 2021, it was more of a top talent issue that the, the talent in that room didn't develop and it left them uh, flat footed and, and, and problematic. And as much as Josh Proctor would have helped clean up some things on the back end, those cornerbacks, other yep. than Burke still weren't getting any better. I, I don't think that I think Proctor losing Proctor hurt them. I think they probably still go to the Rose Bowl. So I'm, I'm trying to think there was that CJ Verdell run for Oregon right up the gut where he just yeah. ran away from everybody and the safety of like, wasn't there with a Blake Corum run where it's like Josh Proctor. And I just, that one, like I, you know, so, but I do think what Josh Proctor wants to be now is the 2019 version of Jordan Fuller. Right. Yeah. He really loves Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller is very important to him. And Josh Proctor is now trying to do that for other guys. So like it's Josh Proctor's in a really good place. He, every safety. And part of it is the way we talk about it to them, which causes them to talk about it to us in the same way. He was talking a lot about the cerebral stuff. He's talking a lot about like what you've got to know in this defense and his understanding of the game. And all those things are true. All those things are true. It was a lovely conversation with Josh Proctor. He's a very nice young man. And I do think, again, I think we're caught in between a little bit. There are some people listening to this who are driving the bus for Josh Proctor, and there are some people listening to this who think we are overrating Josh Proctor. But I think what we think is he will be better than what was on the field last year after he got hurt. Does that mean he's going to be all Big Ten? Does that mean he's going to be all American? Does that mean he's going to be making plays all over the place? Does that mean every time somebody gets through the linebackers, he's going to make a tackle? Does it mean he's going to be knocking down passes on third down? I don't know, but he's flashed at times, and we saw that they missed him a year ago. Well, I think one of the interesting developments with this whole defense is that last year when he went out, it seemed like such a crushing blow because who else did they have? I mean, again, all respect to Bryson Shaw, but that was that was it. That was who they had. Whereas this year, if he had never gotten hurt and it was just in the NFL now, We'd be talking about how, man, what what a miraculous recovery by Lathan Ransom to go from broken leg yeah. to it looks like he's going to start. 
or we'd be talking about court Williams there as just being the bandit now. And that was just what, so that, that whole room has really made huge strides in 365. The safety room has like almost unnecessary depth because everybody would just be on their normal schedule. Yeah. You'd have to you say well, it's uh, unnecessary. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if somebody gets hurt, then all of a sudden, I know all of a sudden, all of a sudden, because somebody gets hurt. It's like, oh, great. I'm glad to get, but it's like, I if Josh Proctor wasn't here, it'd just be two third year guys stepping into their roles as third year guys. It, if aliens come down and abduct Ronnie Hickman in the middle of the first quarter against Notre Dame, I'm not everybody. Everybody will say oh, that's a shame for Ronnie Hickman. What a what a very good fine young man he is, and what a good football player he is. But Ohio State's okay. Yes, and that's not true at every. If they, you know, if aliens abduct Paris Johnson in the first quarter against Notre Dame, I don't think that's what we'll be saying. <laughs> so. Right. CJ Stroud to be running in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those. Where are you? Where are you so rock solid with your backups that you really wouldn't, as you said, Stephen, you wouldn't bat an eye if the starter got abducted by aliens. I don't know. I think safety might be at the top of that list of the whole team. Mm-hmm. You know, because even like what if you abducted Marvin Harrison Jr.? Well, but it's even like, go wow. back to the spring. I mean, Ryan Day was talking about in the spring. He mentioned safety is a concern. Like he mentioned that like okay, we know we've got numbers, but do we have guys that we can trust on the field? Now, that was when Lathan Ransom still was mending a broken leg and before he made this recovery that he did. It was before Josh Proctor was even practicing in full again. So there was a time, I'm not even talking about a year ago with Proctor and Shaw. We're just talking about the spring yeah. where Ryan Day was like, yeah, okay, maybe, but we'll see. And yeah. now I think we're seeing. Yeah, only one member of the two deep was full go because even Court Williams at some point got hurt. So. Yeah. It's okay. now the cornerbacks are going through it, but there's no like silver lining light at the end of the tunnel of all the depths eventually going to get back here. All right. Last break. Tell your friends, tell your family. When we come back, we're going to talk about court Williams next on Buckeye talk. Okay. So court Williams, I camped out at court Williams. Um, he is a very studious, serious person. I probably asked him 11 questions in a row at one point And he was on the edge of like, who is this guy and what is his deal? Why won't he leave me alone? <laughs> Which is why then when I do that to players, then I try to walk with him afterwards and explain why I just did that to you. Make it even creepier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try you to guys... walk along with the players and see if they can get the restraining order filed before they get back to the locker room. So, um, so yeah. So our burgeoning friendship, Court and I, I really, really, I, I can't, Wait to see how they cover cover Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, the tight end in that opener. We we assume they'll have two tight ends on the field a decent amount of the time. Court Williams did not want to give any secrets away. He's very cognizant of it. And I kept saying, I'm not trying to get you to give any secrets away. But my final conclusion was confirming what it feels like, Nathan, they've been talking about, which is, and Stephen, you're kind of mentioning this. All right, banded and adjuster, nickel safety. When they have two tight ends on the field, if you're trying to figure out, okay, there's not a slot receiver. There's not a third receiver for that nickel safety to cover. So we're going to put in a different style of safety and have him deal with the tight end. And does that mean the the Tanner McAllister, Cam Martinez position is coming off the field in those situations, which again, I think is where we get into a sub package conversation. Is Court Williams going to play bandit or adjuster with Josh Proctor and Ronnie Hickman on the team? It doesn't feel like it unless something happens, but Jim Knowles said it, and Court Williams, not wanting to confirm it, I think confirmed it enough 
I specifically asked about Michael Mayer. I said body type. I said, could you? And I think that's what they're going to do. And I do think Court Williams and some Lathan Ransom, I asked Court, he's listed at 220. He said he's at 219. He's 15 pounds heavier than any other safety on the roster. Michael Mayer is 6'4", 6'5", and 265. Tanner McAllister doesn't even weigh 200 pounds. And I know, but like, I just, I, you can't have Michael Mayer boxing people out in the middle of the field all day and just picking up eight yards at will and then running down the seam and burning people and making catches over guys. He's five inches taller than I think Court Williams is the best option. Court Williams said he's in the best shape of his life. He said he lost 4% body fat this offseason. He's ready to roll. And I think that's the role. And Hickman's going to be down in the box sometimes. Proctor's going to be down in the box sometimes. They're going to do some of this stuff too. But I just like that, and I think I have enough. I think he gave me enough of a handle on it on the eleventh question, Nathan. That I do think we're going to see that, and I think he'll have bigger roles against Notre Dame and Wisconsin than he will against some other teams. I think when we talk sub packages, I think this is the specific area where we'll get sub packagey the most with this defense. Yeah, by the way, they've been very tight-lipped about stuff, which I think you can tell that they were instructed, right? That, like, uh, maybe that's a – does it feel more or less tight-lipped than previous camps to you? It just feels like we've we, we've been trying to get some of those answers out of guys, and there hasn't – it, it just it has a very much an air of, like, Jim Knowles specifically told me not to say what you're talking about, what you're asking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it just so much of like, again, this is my 18th year covering Ohio state. So much of the, like the defensive conversation is just, Hey, you guys going to rush for and play press man. It's like, yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. You guys are talented. That'll <laughs> probably work, you know? And so when we're in a world where, I mean, Jim Knowles is he, everything's about disguising and, and, you know, pre pre-snap looks and rolling into other right. coverages and that kind of thing that they, they don't want to give that away. Michael Mayer, I, I, st- I really want to do this list because I've been thinking about it a lot. I want to do it. I want to do like the 10 best skill players that Ohio State is going to face this year. But I think, I think if I did that right now, I think the best two are Michael Mayer and Braylon Allen, mm-hmm. right? Is, that a, yeah. is there a much debate there? Probably not. I mean, it's like you go to the Maryland receivers, you go to the Michigan State receiver, you go to Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, if he pops. Or Bell. Like, I mean, you know, don't, I, I don't, don't, guys, don't go out of sight, out of mind on Bell from Michigan you know, who missed last year. But but I think like Mayor and Allen are like the all-American type yeah. abilities. Yes. And they're in the first month of the year. And they are these specific kind of things where Ohio State's been burned by tight ends in the past. They were burned by good running games last year, which makes those Notre Dame and Wisconsin games super fascinating. So I don't mean like Nathan, I, Stephen, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't trying to bludgeon Court Williams with eleven questions about that, but I just think it's so important to the game. And listen, they're going to disguise coverages and they're going to play zone. They're going to play man. They're going to do all kinds of different things to Michael Mayer, and they're going to have a first-time starting quarterback trying to get him the ball. So it's about as much, it's probably more about what they're going to do to Tyler Buckner than how they're going to deal with Michael Mayer. But I think it's so important, Stephen, and I'm so curious about it. And I still just remain convinced that Court Williams, in terms of like a physical matchup in a one on one situation, is the best guy for the job. I agree with you. I don't think anything you asked him was maybe unnecessary at that. It was funny because you've been talking about him for 5,000 years, but. There's two games on the schedule where I think we'd all be shocked if Court Williams doesn't play at least 45 snaps, and it's the Wisconsin game and then the Notre Dame game. And more importantly, let's get really weird with this. Court Williams puts you in a situation where 
quite frankly, you could take one of these linebackers off the field and have four safeties out there because he's got a linebacker body. And so that's what, and that's the idea of what the bullet has always been. This, I was talking to Jaden Bonds, who's the head coach, and he even said that safeties who can do linebacker things and vice versa. That's what you want in a 4-2-5 defense, and they have that in Court Williams, and they've been talking about a guy like that since Ryan Day took over as head coach, and it feels like four years into this thing, they're finally going to use that guy. I asked him well, if there's still some linebacker in there, and he said, yeah. Go ahead, Nathan. Well, I was going to say, so then don't we just jump ahead to the next conversation, which is is what's the what are the possibilities that not just in this matchup, but that Court Williams – shows himself to be competent enough all around that he could just become the nickel safety. But he so can't Pete cover Warner. slots. But I don't think that they can't have him cover slot receivers. Like, that's not Probably not. Set. It's it's 25 so, pounds. I was just looking. He's like 25 pounds heavier than Sean Wade was. I was thinking like 2019, see. Sean Wade, where you sort of had a, a, a guy that should have been a safety player. I mean, it's up. like if you're playing like Ronnie Bell as a third receiver in the slot, you've got to have yeah. Tanner McAllister or, or, or Cam Martinez on him. But, I think. But does that, but then does that become the change? Like, does Court Williams become the default at nickel safety and then they sub in? a McAllister for those matchups. I, I think it's, I'm just spitballing. That's yeah. why I bring Lathan Ransom back into this conversation. Cause I think Lathan Ransom's like in between court Williams and yes. Tanner McAllister in that situation. So I do think that's the place where they get most, but that's based on, do you have three receivers on the field? Do you have two tight ends on the field? Are you trying to run it? Are you trying to throw it? Um, but they, I think they do want that guy down in the box when there's when they're 12 personnel so that he can stop the run too and we've seen that with court then it gets i mean it gets into one of those things again it's like well then why is you know you can lead me very quickly from court williams being you know this third safety bullet type guy to why isn't he the starting well linebacker but like that's not where they are that's not where they are that's not where they are like that is not true i was waiting you know that i was on alert for in the spring and it's like is court williams in the linebacker group no he's not a safety so Honestly, that's not where they are i just want to I just want to skip ahead to next season when we can just stop all this conversation and Sonny Styles can just be the answer to all of this. Well, that Sonny Styles is everything. That Sonny yes. Styles is like Tanner McAllister and Court Williams and is covering yeah. tight ends and is covering slot receivers and is like yes. one of the most valuable defensive players in the country. Yeah. No, I yes. think that's ideally where you want to get to. So, but again, I just like Court Williams down in the box doing some stuff. And I think, and I think at least for Notre Dame, I think he will be. So pleasant young man. Good conversations with these guys. I think we have a pretty decent handle on what this secondary is going to look like. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty competent. You know, will, will you see somebody pop the way Malik Hooker and Marshawn Lattimore and Denzel Ward and Bradley Roby and Jordan Fuller and guys like that have popped in the past? I think there's a pretty good chance, yes. You know, if you lined up like who's going to have, who's going to pop the most in the secondary? I mean, you know. You can get to Denzel Burke, but you can go to Proctor. You can go Hickman makes a leap from like a all-conference guy to an all-American guy. You can go to a place where Court Williams is a really impactful player when he's on the field. You can go to a place where Hancock looks like, let's go. You know, I think there's there's a lot of intriguing upside. And I think the I think the floor is pretty high too. So I, I think people should in the end, Nathan, like wasn't good enough last year. But when you start looking at the way this cornerback room basically fell apart and Josh Proctor got hurt. They're in a better place there. I, I think it's okay for people to generally with the secondary to feel okay. I think the key defensively, the key word that just keeps coming up is confidence. And it's how much do you believe them when they say we're going up against this offense that's going to torch other first string defenses all year. 
and we're holding our own enough to feel pretty good about ourselves. If you think that that's true, even though it's preseason camp, then I think that's a good sign that it, it, with all the problems that they've had on defense and how young they still are, that when Stroud and this offensive line and JSN start just dialing it up every day, it could be discouraging, but they're kind of talking the opposite. Like, sure, they get burned sometimes because everybody will, but they're doing enough good things in preseason camp that they, they're starting to just have the confidence that you need to perform well. And I do think, Stephen, like in the end, the other part of this is then if you don't have Malik Hooker or Denzel Ward or Marshawn Lattimore, you've got a scheme that's going to give you an advantage as well. That in the past, a lot of time, it, the, that the, the secondary, the back seven was really based on talent. Our guys are better than yours. The scheme is going to give these guys an edge. And again, of course, they're going to talk about it this way. The corners, as you said, Stephen, are kind of going to do their thing. But all the safeties are talking about the cerebral aspect. They've got good communication. They've got a handle on it. And then maybe you don't need to be a first-round draft pick to be really good in this system because Jim Knowles is going to help you be good. If you've got a superstar, you can just rush for and play press man. If you don't have a superstar, you better be making a quarterback think. So let's. if we get to the Notre Dame game and JT or Jack are living in the backfield, then maybe we do see them start to simplify a little bit. But from the way Knowles has schemed up defenses historically at this point and what we know about this team right now, more than likely we're going to see a lot of different stuff that when we rewatch the game, it's like, man, they did this, 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 and this, which is what this defense has really been missing for much of the last four or five years here is yep. they've been too simple. Okay, that's our secondary conversation. Come back for the Thursday pod. We'll have a receiver conversation because we're talking to Brian Hartline and the receivers on Wednesday night. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Thanks, you guys, for being with us. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.